Again, welcome to another Stand Up Fight podcast. I am your host, Rob Eastman, the Tattooed Life Coach. Thank you all for listening in. Appreciate your love and support. It's been pouring in lately, and uh, I wouldn't be doing this without you. So today I've got a special guest, somebody I've known for a long time. Um, Back in the recovery days, Tyson Dixon, how are you, brother? Good, bro. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you here. So... I wanted to bring you on multiple reasons. One, a man in recovery. Two, an entrepreneur. Three, a business owner. All things that uh, we talk about mental health a lot, but I don't think people understand the pressure that comes with, one, running a business. Two, knowing that you're responsible for employees, employees, families. Like, they take it for granted. They see the owner, the things that we that we achieve or get, the the worldly things, but they don't see behind closed doors when numbers are coming in short and you know you've got families depending on you for sure so if we can talk a little bit about maybe if you want to paint a picture of your uh upbringing and and what got you into the drug world or whatever in the first place kind of how you got out but then on to the other side of of taking care of yourself taking care of others and how this whole thing's wrapping through and and definitely get into the to the renaissance ranch uh chit chat about that so yeah, but I've got some things I want to talk about that once we get into it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure listeners know you came through the ranch. What what year? Oh, nine. Okay. So you came a, a year after me, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I was 22 by the, by the time I made it to the ranch. <clears throat> and uh, um, just a, a brief over, overview before that, right? I good raised in a good LDS family, um, Draper, Utah. <clears throat> um, good parents, hardworking dad, um, great mom, <clears throat> five kids. I'm the second oldest. Um, I've got an older brother and, and two younger sisters and a younger brother. Um, close family. We did a lot of stuff growing up together. Um, <clears throat> you know, my, my dad, um, he, you know, his... You know he, he's got a lot of that old mentality you know the suck it up be tough you know um we don't we don't talk about feelings like it's not a um it was not a part of of uh, a, a lot of what we what we were doing and he wasn't interested in hearing from you know his, his kids as far as what their perspectives were um you know and he was going to kind of tell them and, and what to do and, and he was going to guide us along and we we're going to be a happy family he was going to control it He's gonna, yeah, he was going to, you know, he, he was going to control how everything went down. And, um, <clears throat> I guess, you know, my, my personality, my brother's personality, and we just, we just repulsed against that, you know? So from an early age, anything, you know, if, if people said to not do something, we were going to do it, um, which is a common characteristic of a lot of us. Yeah. Right. And so you know, when, when, uh, when drugs and alcohol came around, um, uh, around the same time objectifying women women was a cool thing to do and um kind of went hand in hand uh, um of leaving you know a lot of the the values and different things that have been instilled in us and and as as children and started living two different lives and so started engaging uh in just just the party life and everything like that and if it was cool I was going to do it and so started drinking and using um smoking weed and, and trying different drugs when I was 13, 14. And, um, uh-huh. that just continued to progress. So by the time I'm 16, 17, 
was really just using something every single day. Um, it, it really most of the time was smoking weed every single day. Um, <clears throat> kind of I'd, wouldn't really you know, thought I could quit whenever I wanted to and thought I was just doing it because it was fun and, and I wanted to, you know, uh, experience life different and, and thought it was cool and um, would break up some of the monotony and, or whatever. And uh, but looking back, by the time I'm, I'm I was a junior in high school, I was I was addicted and I had to have something every single day. And I started having a, uh, a black hole open up inside that I had to put something in every single day. And so, <clears throat> you know, from there, that just continued to progress. And as I lived two different lives, you know, underlying shame started to compound and um, not measuring up started to compound and drinking and using. I didn't know it at the time, but that made all that stuff, all those feelings, all those uncomfortable feelings go away. You know, um, <clears throat> and if I was accepted in with 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 my friends and accepted by and, and had approval by other women and, and different things, then I was good. And I had so I had these temporary um, fillers over that black hole, but it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Right. And so soon after high school, um, started using uh, started using pills um which graduated to shortly to heroin um and smoking heroin uh every day so i went from transitioned from using um, alcohol marijuana every day to heroin i love that i love that transition piece because i work in the high schools and and junior highs now and and i hear that i can stop if i want and like then stop well i don't want to i can't Exactly. But the transition, everybody thinks when they do drugs or they do, you know, coke and heroin, they're like, oh, if I just drink, I'm going to be okay. Or or I'm just going to smoke weed this time and I'll be okay. And I always tell them, if that was enough, you never would have moved along. For sure. So did did you play sports? I did. Yeah, I played football. I I ended up going to three different high schools um, for different reasons, but I played football at at all three. I went to Alta, Lehigh, and Jordan. Um, Loved football. It was the only sport I was really good at. Um, <clears throat> but it was, you know, in some competitive schools and, and different things, but, uh, I loved it, had a good experience. So, um, somehow was able to, to do that looking back, man. I mean, I, I couldn't remember, memorize the place. I wasn't willing to give up weed, you know, so yeah. I would be stoned. Um, and you know, I was, a, I was, a, I think I was a pretty gifted running back. I, I could, I wouldn't, when we'd go against our starting defense, I would run over our linebackers and keep going. Like I was, I was a truck, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> and I, po- coach would, tr- I think, give me chances. And I wouldn't even realize, and I don't, I'm not remembering the plays. So, <laughs> I, yeah, that makes it tough. I never played, but, uh, but I loved it, dude. I loved, I loved, uh, I loved being active and doing that, but, you can't you can't have a healthy physical life and mental life and be using drugs and alcohol. Yeah, I like that you say that. You just can't. You you've got to choose. And the thing that's hard for for kids, and and I didn't learn this till way later on. And I'm I'm extremely lucky that I made it out. That's the message I want to give to any young listeners: is that dude like don't take this as like oh that dude did drugs and alcohol and you know he put he put his life together. It, the story yeah, ain't over for us. If you're yeah. in recovery, if you've if your brain has experienced addiction to that level, you you are um, extremely 
you you can be very volatile and in that it, it just takes one decision to go back to destroying your life again not to mention i think there's different different views on this but i think we're a single digit success rate on getting to the level where some of us have got like most don't they'll have a job maybe their lives will be mediocre but in general um i i like that with the youth is like most people are dead or in prison that are that have the same story yeah, man, it, it's, it's, uh, it is, it is freaking dicey. And what I didn't know, what I learned in, in going to school later on after I got in recovery was that the, the brain doesn't fully develop for, for men until they're 29. The prefrontal cortex doesn't, isn't completely developed to your 29. And so that's the part of the brain that enables you to comprehend consequence, like the results of your actions. That's why even young adults and any decisions they typically make, you're like, dude, what do you, what are you doing? Yeah. Like this is it. It's because they literally can't comprehend what their state of existence will be from taking such actions. Now they, it's it can be it can be moderately developed, but it's not fully com- developed. And so looking back, I was making decisions based on right then and there, completely ignorant and unable to see how they would impact my future. I, right? I'm yeah. I'm nine. I was I got to the point where. Dude, and so graduated. So I was a hundred in, you know, hundred ninety pound running back in high school, six foot, uh, you know, decent size, healthy kid. About nine months later, Rob, I was in the Salt Lake County Jail for about the sixth, seventh time. Um, hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, I, I I know what that looks like. I don't know if people understand what that looks like. That's a that's blown away in the wind. Yeah, dude. It, I that's, mean, that's just a shell of a person. All, all the muscle, you know, a lot of the, the muscle gone, but you know, you can see the ribs and it's like, yeah. and the scary thing is, is in, in that state, that's the last thing you're really thinking about is your, your state of your, your, your body. Yeah. Um, it, 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 the disease has the power to completely hijack the, the brain and you, you, you know, the other part in the brain, the amygdala is where the disease, um, or where the addiction sets hold in it. And that has the power to override any other reasoning, logical parts of the brain. And so I, I didn't know it, but I was drugs and alcohol had became, had become a method of survival, right? So I thought I could take it and leave it. It, it eventually, became as needed as food water and air yeah you know that's what that's how the brain associates the substance and i don't think people like yeah i'm sure you hear it all the time is well it was a choice it's your choice like if you had an idea of the choices the option is you're gonna die or do it and people don't get that it's tough and it's true. I mean, there, there was absolutely choice in the beginning and that's how I kind of look at it. It's, it's kind of on a scale in, and, uh, you know, using, you know, weekly daily to other substances to more consistently, there comes a point when someone, when the brain, the amygdala, I think on a scientific level, basic science is the amygdala has more power than the prefrontal cortex. There, there's a, there's a, there's a tipping point, if you will. And I think that when that tipping point happens in the brain, there's 
there's no going back. The brain always is damaged to that extent. So it, you, you create misfire. deep neural pathways that, that associate the, the substance with survival at that point. And <clears throat> now recovery is about building a bridge over that and keeping that thing strong. Being, and, then you can, and then you can have the disease in remission after you take of certain steps and, and it takes a certain amount of time. And, and, you know, that's been my experience, but is that it can be in remission, but, but you're right. Single digits, man. It's like, we're, you know, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and, and lucky and privileged and, you know, to, to be where I'm at, to have been able to make it out. Um, the thing is right 12 and a half years into this and it's not out of the woods i'm not i still have to go to meetings i still have to help other alcoholics and addicts and i still have to um, do the things that i need to on a daily basis to keep my disease in remission so you know i mean <clears throat> you know in the first few months after you quit the first few days after you quit you're <laughs> craving like crazy yeah and weeks and months go by but even now, dude, now a beer sounds nice. I could go for a beer. I could go for some crack right now. I could go for some <laughs> some heroin. My brain says that's a good idea. Send it. Let's roll. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so even though the cravings are dramatically reduced, it's been my experience that relapse takes place way before you actually relapse. And that when you get to that place of irritability restlessness uncomfortability that's when we're not working on our emotional self our spiritual self our physical self for a few days in a row is all it takes yeah. before drugs and alcohol is you have the opportunity boom and it, it takes so many of us out and that it's 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 something that um it is it, it it's 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 something i don't have a fear of we should have a it it's a respect of yeah there's a difference you respect a, a moving vehicle to not get in front of it. You right. know what I mean? You're not necessarily afraid of it. Yeah. I like that you say, so when it is a choice originally, but I, f I feel like most people don't do it because their life is awesome. They do it to cover up some pain. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it's to fit in. It's because you're depressed. It's because you want to live anything other than what you're living. And at that point, when it takes that pain away, when we don't have the life skills as a young kid, um, that's the tough part. That's where societal views and shames and, and belief systems come in and then make it 10 times as hard once you do cross over and then that pain and moving on. And then like you're saying, I, I always laugh, man. I, I can still remember a lot of people's one year at the ranch, right? You get mm -hmm. in there and they, and they, they got it figured out. And it's not the ranch, it's anywhere, you know. They go in the one year, they've got it all figured out, and then you hear the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guy going like, Man, I don't know shit. I just know that if I don't keep on this thing that, that it's gonna catch up with me. So I'll take another twenty. For it's sure. like the the more I go through it. My tenth year, not wanting to use drugs or alcohol, but was by far the hardest year that I've had in my almost twelve years of recovery. Mm. Just due me, to the fact that you too. coast. Me too, man. You know, yeah. you get there and you're, you've done it for so long. Yeah. You get complacent. Yeah. You know what to do, but you're not doing it. And that shit creeps up and it gets real heavy. And then crap happens out of your control and you're responsible for a lot of people. Yeah. You've got all these expectations on yourself. Yeah, you, you start getting out of, out, you start stepping away. Things add up and 
right like go, like the big problems pile up upon it become astonishingly difficult to resolve yeah <clears throat> yeah I've, I've, I felt that for sure so that's just one of those lessons for me that I learned that uh, it's a journey there is no destination I will never arrive for sure and just to enjoy it as I go take well, care of things dude, as it comes learning comes with a price it's it, it the, and the price is pain right the growth the price is pain and, and discomfort and sacrifice you know and so like I think that um, I'm I think we've uh, as humans have a lot of opportunities to to grow and to progress and and I, I firmly believe that difficulty and and um, tragedy and and uh, heartaches and uncomfortabilities are all different ways that we if we choose to to make progress and experience what the other side of those feel like to be able to connect with people um, that we may have not been able to connect with and to help someone we may not have been able to help yeah. and to experience life at a little bit higher of an existence the price is pain and, and, dis and uncomfortability and failure and seeming failure yeah yeah i like that i've i've I have a, I always talk when I'm talking to people, I'm like, I invite, I invite pain to sit at my kitchen table with me because the more I listen, the quicker I learn. It's like, if I, if I ignore the pain, then it gets real heavy. Then it catches up. Then the, the fail is major. And as we get along, it, you can't, you can't avoid the pain. Somebody said, I was speaking at a junior high the other day and what they, I always have them fill out three questions anonymously about anything, mental health. And I'll answer it at the end of my speech. And one of them was, how do you avoid mental health issues? And I said, you just answered it. The avoid. You don't avoid it. You hit it head on and you deal with it as it comes or it becomes a mental health issue. Hmm. I like so it. I like to stand and fight. That's what the podcast is about, you know, is, yeah. uh, is, is just handling it as it comes. And I, and I feel like that's been the best thing for me is just as soon as I feel a little bit of pain, I stop, I listen, take a good look at it and be like, is this something I want to let steamroll? Mm, mm -hmm. Probably not. I'm mm -hmm. going to deal with it right now, no matter how ugly, because I've, in my experience, only timely made it uglier. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't go away when you, when you try to just bury it or avoid it. It, yep. it may, you may get temporary relief. And so that be, can become a default solution. But when you realize that, that, that is a, it's smoke and mirrors, it's temporary. <laughs> it's going to come back stronger or yeah. just continue to pester you. Right, the lean, feel it to heal it. Yeah, you've got to lean into it. You got to allow yourself to feel it. Be honest about it. Talk about it. You yeah, know, and work through it. So I was asked the young kids, like, "Hey, you know, so you smoke weed and, and you feel better. How do you feel when the weed wears off? Oh man, I feel crappy. What What do you got to do? I got to smoke more. And they're like halfway through the sentence, they stop. Like, you get what I'm saying? They're like, Yeah. Like, <laughs> The weed's going to run out. Your emotions aren't. You need to deal with those things. Right. There's no chance to run. For doesn't sure. matter what it is. You know, we add more and more and more and more. There, I, I don't know if anybody's ever found the magic combo to take to truly erase the pain. Yeah. I love, dude, I love that you, all the work you're doing with, with youth. I don't, I mean, you just shared a little bit, but I think that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Because I mean, I really, I don't know if I would have listened when I, when I was one of those 16, 17, but I didn't have anyone really sit down and go, Hey, here's, here's where I heard it. I heard drugs and alcohol were bad, but I didn't, I didn't ever heard. I never heard why. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? And, and I'm like, if, if I don't understand why I'm not going to 
comply. I'm not going to get it. Yeah. And it was usually the cop, the dare cop, Mr. McGruff or a parent telling you that. And they were only telling you their version of the story. Right. Right. And I think I have a, a good ability with these kids because I come in and I'm covered in tattoos and I talk about doing drugs and I talk about what it did for me for a minute. And then it ends. And then they're like, well, he might know what he's talking about. Right. Like, I have no. Squeeze that. Sorry. Screw yeah. up the mic. Oh, no, you're good. Go. So, yeah, that's a big one is uh, I don't care if they listen. I don't care if they apply it. I do care that they will never be able to look anybody in their face and say, well, I didn't know. For sure. At the end of that conversation, they know probably a little more than they wanted to know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, don't have sex. Okay. Well, what if I do? We'll just don't. That's not what we do. Right, dude. Like, right. okay. So then the first time little Johnny and, and Tina meet and they don't understand what's just happened. Like, it, just explain it. I think parents and adults in general feel that by giving them the information that they're taking their their youth away or that they're endangering the kid. It's like you're giving them an opportunity to make the right decision. Right. If I don't have the information, if I don't know the game I'm playing, what the hell am I supposed to do? Cause right. they make party and look really fun for sure on, on social media and they're all happy yet. You didn't know those fools are going to rehab the next day. Right. You know? So I just always, I like to just be, be real and be real blunt Yeah. and let them know you can do what you want. Nobody's we know damn well we're not going to stop anybody from doing something they want. Sure. But at the end of the day, I don't want them to be like, "Well, I didn't know that." Like, I, and I don't feel I had that information when I was. No. I don't. I don't feel. I, I don't, don't think the kids still don't. You know, I, I I I agree. I agree, and I think and the it, parents don't. They've just wanted to be blinded from it, and like if sure. if we don't know about it, it won't happen to us. Right. You know, head in the sand. Yeah. So that's the. That, I just think it's a wrong philosophy. I talk to a lot of parents, and they're like. Well, I don't want to tell my kid about what I did because that'll give them the right to do it. That, like, no, that was it my won't. that was my dad's thinking, right? Because my dad experimented. He never, you know, he drank maybe a couple times, but he he never conveyed he had any weakness. Okay, so and if as we know under and understand human connection, it's connections that that help surpass addiction, and that's kind of one thing that we psychologically look for. And that we that we have a have a real need for as human beings, right? And so, <clears throat> I never connected with my dad on that level because he never displayed himself as weak or as 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 a human. Like he'd made mistakes. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so when when I started when I went through these things, it just I mean it, everything went sideways. How was your relationship with him? It 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 was it was horrible right like it was i mean we we butted heads we we did from a very young age or just once you started using no just teenage years you know yeah well really when i started using and drinking and really started going taking a hard left you know going down going down the wrong road and um because my brother and i were co-conspirators in the whole situation we had my mom and dad pretty much smoothed until we started getting arrested and and getting caught in, in different things. But, uh, you know, so it didn't take very long, especially just after high school where we were both on hard drugs to where they, um, <clears throat> you know, they found out they knew something was really wrong. And at that time, press was, uh, my brother was willing to change uh, a lot more than I was. And uh, press went through treatment. I went to jail again. Um, well, th- this was the time I was in jail. Um, and uh, just in that, 
in a real place of a lot of darkness and a lot of pain. It, it was for sure my rock bottom and got to the place where I wanted to end my life. I wanted to take, I wanted to die, you know, and I wanted and, and wanted more than anything to, to end the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain I was in. But there was no effective way to do that when you're in jail, right? And but in that place, um, and and I can finally, I could finally understand why people could would could get to the place to take their own life because they're not thinking about how it affects others. They're just they're just consumed with the pain that they're that yeah. they're in, you know. And so, <clears throat> but you know, I was paying the price. I was paying the price for my selfishness. I was paying the price for. Um, you know, the, the thief I had become and the liar that I had become. And, um, so I went in and I'm, I'm really grateful for the Salt Lake County jail. I am, I'm grateful that I had the experience, uh, and and that they were there to, to stop me because I wasn't going to stop unless I was stopped and, uh, I, I probably wouldn't be alive. But then after that, um, you know, going through the withdrawals and the pain, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna use hard drugs again. Um, you know, I, I I was convinced of that, but I could. I, I I believed I could drink and smoke weed some more, right? So, get out, start drinking weed. It hadn't even been a month before I had to use. I was in that position to to use hard drugs again because the other stuff it didn't. Uh, it didn't satisfy what my brain. Yeah at that time felt that's like it needed. yeah that's right that's the part that people don't get like if it ever got to that point once it will get there again might be a week might be six months might be a year but eventually they always find their way back yeah that's the part that's hard for me is like that part of the brain that makes you believe like tells you the same story in a different version and you believe it time and time again right scary it is scary, man, and that's the, right the the very definition of insanity, mm-hmm. right? Doing the same thing, expecting different results, all because I've been clean a month, or because I've been clean a year, or because now I have a girlfriend, or I have the job, <laughs> or I have the degree, or whatever it might be. Now, now some people maybe they 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 may have developed um, an alcohol problem or a drug problem at one time, maybe not the the diseased extent of it. Those people, I think, yeah, they can go and they can clean up their life and they can drink occasionally or smoke crack on the weekends. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, but then I see people partying occasionally, but, uh, but for me, I'm a real alcoholic and a real drug addict. And I have passed that point in our return and I don't have the, the luxury. I, I've, I've tried it before, before I came to the ranch, I went to treatment. I stayed sober for a year and a half. It was awesome. Changed my life. I love treatment. But I had everything all figured out. I didn't need to go to meetings. I didn't need to follow all the suggestions because I'm I'm a lot smarter and you know more special and uh, than than everyone else. And after a year and a half, I I relapsed, thinking falling back into that. I can drink and use. And then it, it was a couple months. I was on the on the harder crap again, um, and you know trying to pick up the pieces. And <clears throat> at that point, I knew that that's when I had the opportunity to go to the ranch and you know um my my parents were like oh it's a great place it's it's a bunch of it, you know it's a bunch of it's all men's and they've got this brotherhood and this and that and I mean I just I couldn't comprehend what that what that looked like and um but you know I'll, ne- I'll never forget getting to the ranch feeling the 
the the feeling of peace you know and and having you know 12 different dudes give me a hug tell me it was going to be okay tell me that they've been there you know and uh and it's going to be all right and uh and i haven't i haven't left since because of uh the power that that is in there in, in the brotherhood and um it's uh it's given so much meaning and purpose and um life uh to to my life and uh <clears throat> i'm just grateful that i'm in the position today to um carry the torch forward from the brown brothers who established it and to um ensure that it's a place of healing and uh that that it's a, a genuine place where people can experience real change for for life yeah yeah, yeah i was i was thinking about that today is um maybe it happens other places but i was thinking about our group within that you guys were in aftercare you guys were like the big brothers to us and all that stuff but you look back at how many people have gone on to start businesses stay in the industry get degrees working with addicts like mm-hmm. to take that many ready for dead dudes right and give them an opportunity not only to live but to come back and be as powerful as we've been in the communities and stuff mm-hmm. I don't know of any of the rehabs that do that. I'm I'm not aware. I'm not aware of any. There's a lot of good people and good programs for sure. Um, and, and, and maybe I'm just not as, con, you know, connected. But um, from what I've seen, you know, going to meetings and different things, I mean, there's there's a lot of good people in other places and, and doing good things. I just know what we're doing at the ranch is um, – I just know what we're doing there, man, and, and what it feels like. And, and – and, the, the proof of that pudding, right? Yeah. Like seeing so many guys uh, go and be successful and and really having whole new lives, you know, um, being fathers, you know, saving marriages, yeah. you know? Um, like that's the coolest stuff to see. Guys going through really, really difficult things and, and staying sober and leaning on each other and supporting each other through um, – but yeah, dude, there's been a ton of people come through grams now have, you know, have their own companies and, and, uh, and they do great and, doing the and deal. they're doing, they're doing amazing stuff, man. I love the, <clears throat> when I, I went back, I, I had a meeting out there and I went down to see Bri for a second, but it's like our whole alum running the joint. Yeah. All in there. And yeah. like, yeah. it's not, there's some cool therapists. I met, I met most of them. But in general, it's dudes who've walked the walk, talked the talk, decade in, mm-hmm. doing the deal. And uh, I think that's special. And that says a lot, not only about the program, but, like, there's got to be a draw to that. Well, you dude, know, there's a special we're, energy we're about, there. We're about, like, experiencing life and having fun on a daily basis. You know what I mean? And so yeah, it's really it's really cool and, and, and being um, – you know, being a business now owning the ranch and, and being, you know, uh, in the place of responsibility and, and um, uh, speaking of entrepreneurship and so forth, you, you can create the kind of life that you want. You can't, you know, and um, <clears throat> I feel like I've been blessed to be able to do that at the ranch and, and have the best people uh, that to, to work with us and, and my best friends, you know, yeah. and uh that's the cool thing is is when you understand that at the end of the day that you're not in charge that God's in charge 
in that everybody really is checking in with that higher power and then automatic then everyone's on the on the same page everything yeah. kind of flows and works yeah let's take a let's take a sidetrack a little bit to uh the stress of entrepreneurship not only entrepreneurship but dealing with some of the hardest cases when it deals with mental health addiction and then add that into the business and the stressors and things like that how has that been yeah well, you mean my own personal mental yeah. health and addiction in, in how that's been in, in, uh, how that's been. Yeah. I just did a big, a big podcast out of the UK and we, we were talking about, she's a big entrepreneur lady. And one of the things most people don't understand is the pressure that comes with being an entrepreneur, regardless yeah. of what it is yeah. that we have to show up to work, but we also got to strum up the work. We got to sell the work. We got to close the work. We got to make sure the work works and we got to make sure everybody at work is taken care of. Right. And people don't get that. They're there. They're mad that their paycheck was eight minutes late. Right. It's like, you're lucky you got one. Cause that was actually my paycheck. Yeah. You know? Right. So I don't think they understand that stress. And I, and I like to paint a picture cause I get it. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 20 and there's been some really highs and some really lows yeah. and people see a farm. They see my big truck or, you know, whatever it is. They don't, the blood, sweat and tears that went into that. For sure. Most people were the debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would, or the debt that you're into. Right. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but yeah, man, I think so like what you're saying earlier, my two thousand, you know, 2019 was, was for sure the roughest year for me in my recovery and sobriety because for, you know, uh, six, seven years out the ranch had been running well. Um, we decided to start basically two other companies at the same time. And I learned so many valuable lessons through, through that. Both of them failed, um, for, for different reasons. Um, uh, some things were out of my control. Some things I would, or for sure my, you know, I messed up and I was, I was, you know, um, I, I was, I was, uh, optimistic in a, um, an over optimistic kind of perspective of it. Yeah. But <clears throat> you know, there's, 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 yeah, there's consistent, there's been consistent struggles and difficulties with it. I think what keeps me consistently going to whether any kind of storm or any issue is, you know, the value of, uh, the value of what, what the ranch provides. It's, it's so, it's a cause much greater than any of my personal struggle or issues. You know, so I can show up for people. I can show up for for the cause when I don't feel like it, yeah. um, or when I don't I like have that. enough gas in the tank to to do so. Um, and and then the other thing is, I mean, a lot of things, but being surrounded by by good people. You know, I think that I'm extremely lucky. Um, I know I'm luckier and blessed than than most people because of my wife. Um, my wife is is. Uh, the most extra, extraordinary human I've I've met for sure, and has been um, it, it has been such a solid partner for me. Um, and you know, her my, all of my weaknesses are made up in her strengths. So we make such a good team um, that and 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 we can be so so honest and real with each other and uh, understand each other so well. And and we've learned to communicate so well and and uh 
that um, she's she's been a massive support and driving force to to everything. And and then my father, right? So when I got in recovery, my dad um, and, and uh, my brother got in recovery uh, as well. And so, um, I, dude, it, it, as miraculous of changes that you and I have experienced and seeing that in people, that never gets old. That's amazing, right? I saw that just as significant of a change in my dad, like through working the same steps, the same program as us working it on his issues. Right. Like in that our very nature changes, our character changes, our perspective changes, the way that we communicate in the way that we, that we are completely changes that happened with my dad, you know, as well. And so my dad's like my best friend today I love has that. been for years. And, and my older brother Preston is, is, is my best friend. Um, the tightest dude. I'm, I mean, uh, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm really blessed from, from a family unit perspective and then extending outward from that dude. It's, it's, uh, guys like Dave Callister, Brian, Brian Eden, you know, um, uh, so I mean I could I could I could go on and on I've, I mean I I work with the most amazing men that I know that uh, you get all, all that energy together focused on solutions everybody working on themselves behind the scenes to where you know no matter kind of what comes we just handle it yeah you know I love that we just handle it we're just a we're just a, a it, it it's awesome it's just fun to be a part of dude that's I think society's gone away from the stronger together philosophy the village raises a raises a kid it's like everybody's like i'll do it my way yeah like how's that working for you because it looks terrible yeah so i think when and i like the the male i went to a co-ed that was like the worst <laughs> it was fine for experience wise but like the worst idea ever yeah well you know? it can be a bad idea for certain guys that aren't 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 ready right or in that still in that you know that validation seeking that the womanizing yeah. state of mind i think at least half of them fell Dude. in love right like well, you no know, <laughs> you're not in love right <laughs> but I, I went to a co-ed program and it was it was awesome dude i it, it was so awesome for me to to get that experience um and, and to have that but just having an all men's program it's a whole different experience it's just a whole different thing man that's it's hard to kind of put in words but you know when you know, cause one of my big issues was, I mean, I had, I had a lot of friends I was tight with that from junior high that we always hung out together, but they weren't the, that had, they didn't have the healthiest mindsets, you know? And so I, I never experienced, I didn't know what my life was going to be like without you, without that. And then, you know, going, getting recovery with men, you realize this is, these are life. Well, this is a lifetime deal. And this is, we're in this together for life and, and it, you know, so the, the brotherhood and the relationships that are made through that struggle, through leaning on each other, understanding that you're, that you're going to be there for your brother for life and you know, they're going to be there for you. And you've got a community of that, that feel and that atmosphere. And you're about that. You back that up with continued action, you know, consistently and, and enough guys doing that. It, it, it creates a whole different ecosystem and a whole different environment for men coming into recovery yeah you know it's just cool man so i I don't think i've ever met your wife do you have kids as well yeah yeah i do i've got three beautiful kids i have a seven-year-old a 
girl and, and a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy. Nice. And, uh, You're right in it. Yeah, dude. You know, been able to be a soccer coach, coach my little guy, <laughs> you know? So fun, huh? It, it, it actually is, is it, it's really fun. It's cool. Yeah, you're, you're right on the verge of things getting real. So my daughter's 12, and uh, she was my best bud from like three when they're just chatterboxes and they've got a thousand words in their little vocabulary. And as they're like being able to watch and prepare them for for what's really coming down the pipeline, let them fall, let them get up, let them have, be, feel accomplished when they do something or when they, when they don't do it right five times and they get it right on the sixth. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of parents swoop in, save it, do it for them, and they end up learning at 14 what they should have learned it for. Yeah. And uh, but those those next years, especially, tell me this: How did you uh, did you want a daughter? For sure. How's that been yeah. being the oldest to soften up that old heart? <laughs> oh, dude, it's you know it's a, it's a different kind of love you you get to experience. You know how you have a different love for your parents that you do for your siblings. It feels a little different, right? Different love for your friends different love for your wife and different love for your kids it's a different flavor and experience of love and dialect on love between a, a little girl and, and a little boy to where it's just a precious thing man I think that it, it, it's added so much to my life and to be able I mean my favorite thing for a long time has just been to, to sing her sing her songs at, at night time you know sing, yeah. her, sing her to bed and 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 now our thing is paper rock scissors every night before we go to bed <laughs> paper rock scissors championships and but dude it's it's cool you know uh, i mean it's it, it's amazing I, I i can't wait to get home to my family to my kids you know and i don't i don't know if a lot of people um feel that way or not but like i do i'm really excited to get home every day i love that and to be at home and create a life with my family and experience life with them it's I mean, the the blessings of recovery of it to experience that is really my my greatest hope and desire for other 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 people coming into recovery, because you can't have that those experiences when you're when you're in the disease, when you're numb to feeling, yeah. and your brain is only f- considering what you what your needs are primarily, and 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 so you miss so much, yeah, so much life. Yeah, definitely. So tell me, share one or two things with the listeners, what you've learned from this, what you want them to know, what your some of your biggest takeaways from the whole experience have been thus far. I mean, I love your message of stand and fight, you know. Um, I think that uh, early on um, – cause I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I wasn't going to go to college unless I knew what I was going to do. And so I learned what I wanted to do in rehab. You know, I remember like talking to one of the the counselors, you know, like, so you get paid to sit here and talk to us and help us improve our lives. Is that, is that the deal? Is that like, yeah, basically, you know, there's some paperwork and stuff, but this is what, (laughs) and I'm like, whoa. And I was like, that's, this is what I want to do with my life and once I really had that thought and that spark you know um I think that different people are blessed with different things um I'm 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 kind of a visionary person and so I can kind of see the big picture and how 
all the big pieces kind of fit together to make it work, you know. And so in that treatment facility and even through the ranch, I was really I, and I've worked at about 10 other places or, or been in treatment at other places and has seen looked really closely as to what's working and, and what what doesn't work on a hands on level, you know. And yeah. so <clears throat> I have a vision of what you want to do. Um, and be uncompromising with that and taking every day, every day taking steps towards that direction, whatever, whatever your, uh, your end goals are and, and don't base your value on how successful that, that you are because, um, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be failures, there's going to be issues, you know, um, and, and enjoying, uh, enjoying, uh, every moment and 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 every day there's learning experiences and everything you know and there's good days and there's bad days you know and and and, uh, and understanding that hey you know the sun's eventually going to come out it's eventually you know like there's eventually going to be positive things to look at um staying in gratitude been huge constantly you know focusing on on the things that I'm grateful for, the things that, 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 that I have both inward and outward, um, that, uh, and, and really consciously focusing on those things because you, there's an emotional payoff, you know, you, you, you can't experience gratitude, genuine gratitude and, um, and being ego at the same time or being, being anger, you know, um, or fear, you yeah. know? And so <clears throat> for me, that's, that's been a, uh, a sil a solid silver bullet type of type of tool. Love it. So, how do people find you? How do they find me? You, the ranch. <laughs> yeah, the ranch. You know, um, yeah. I mean, Tyson at Renaissance Ranch um, is my email. You know, do you guys have a website? Yep, yep. We've got a website. Yeah, RenaissanceRanch dot com. Okay. You know? So we're we're there and and. Uh, but yeah, always, always open to, to helping to support any, anybody along this journey of life. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come out and share with my listeners. Again, this has been another Stand and Fight podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eastman. You can find me on Instagram at Tattooed Life Coach and the number eight at TattooedLifeCoach.com or Rob Eastman on Facebook. Check us out if you're in the Davis County area. Come check us out at Eastman Fitness and Wellness and... Uh, Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Hopefully you heard something today that will help you better your life or help somebody in it. Love you guys. Thanks, Tice. Thank you, buddy.